John chapter 15, if you have your Bible, John chapter 15. John 15, we'll invite you to stand. We'll look at the Word of God here in just a moment, and the children will be dismissed for children's ministry as we're looking at John chapter number 15. We're continuing in our journey on this matter of experiencing God in our heart, in our home, which is our theme for the year. And looking at this Sunday morning series, the fact that God has more in store now, meaning that you and I can experience what God has now. We had a great men's get-together yesterday, at least I thought it, and it was great. It was, it was good to see. Uh, we had 40-some men that were here and had several guests, six men that were, that were guests that were here, and, and that was great. And, and then we saw just a challenge from the Old Testament, an Old Testament man by the name of Shamgar. And not much is said about him, but one of the things that we do find in looking at his life is he didn't wait to be great for God to do something great in his life. And you can start right where you are, take what you have right where you are, and with God, that's all that's needed. Because God is the God of the impossible. And so we're looking at how you can experience God right now. We're not talking about religion. Religion is what Jesus was trying to deliver people from. Religion weighs down. Religion is about checking the box and doing all these things. Relationship is discovering our all in all in Jesus. Are there things that we must do? John 2 and verse 5 says, Mary said unto the servants, Whatsoever he, Jesus, saith unto you, do it. But when you find relationship with Jesus, you find what he tells you to do. First John says his commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. They don't weigh you down. But in religion, any one of his commandments are enough just to cause you to throw in the towel and quit. We need Jesus. And so we're continuing our series. We're going to look at John 15 this morning. It is said that George Frederick Handel. Does that name sound familiar? He composed that amazing musical entitled The Messiah. He did so in three weeks. Most choirs can't get it in in three months. It's apparently during this time, Dr. Childs, that Handel composed this when his eyesight was failing when he was facing the possibility of being put into prison because of outstanding bills. However, Handel kept writing in the midst of these enormous challenges and he wrote that final masterpiece that we know to be that majestic hallelujah chorus. Handel later credited the completion of his work to one ingredient, one thing he said, is what caused him to just flow out of him this amazing peace. I mean, it is incredible, the peace, the masterpiece of this hallelujah course, this Handel's Messiah, that the one ingredient was joy. Joy. He was quoted as saying, that he felt as if his heart would burst with joy at what he was hearing in his mind. And listening either to the entire work of the Handel's Messiah or the Hallelujah Course, you can hear that joy 
that came from his heart into ours. Do you today know that full joy that Jesus died on the cross to give you? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Do you know that Jesus not only came, died on the cross, was buried, resurrected. He didn't come just to add years to your life. He came to add life to your years. Amen. Jesus was a man of joy. The Bible tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame. Jesus was a man who would have been comfortable in this service today, worshiping the Father. I love services where we can experience the joy of Jesus Christ. But Jesus wanted his disciples and he wants us to know that we can experience joy, not just on Sunday, but every day. Look at John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except it abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing. I want to preach this morning to you in this continuation of how to experience the so much more that God has in store for you now. I want us to look at the secret of joy. The secret of joy. If you don't figure out and find that great discovery in Jesus, the true secret of joy, you're going to miss out on the so much more that he has in store right now. Thank you. Please be seated. Jesus is giving the analogy of the vine and branches. He's telling us that joy is the key, but it's not located in wealth. We know many people who are wealthy, who have all the, that the world has to offer, yet their wealth has not brought them joy. It's not found in fame. We can all recall somebody famous, an actor or an athlete or actress who had wealth, who had fame, but did not have joy. See, happiness, it is contingent upon the happenings that you go through. You can be happy one day, not be happy the next day. You can be happy one moment and be in a car wreck and, and be completely unhappy in that moment. And Jesus is talking, however, about something far greater than happiness contingent upon your happenings. He's talking about joy, something that can remain and exist no matter the circumstance. Joy. It is an internal stability despite external circumstances because of the knowledge that God is in control. It is the internal stability, despite external circumstances. 
because of the knowledge that God is in control. Joy is a settled assurance. It's a quiet confidence in God's sovereignty that results in the decision to praise Him. Jesus said the secret is, verse 5, I'm the vine and ye are the branches. He says in verse 1, I'm the true vine. In John 15, Jesus is preparing his disciples and those Bible students understand John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, it's all one night. And Jesus is preparing his disciples for his upcoming death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And he gives final instructions primarily relating to what it means to being a disciple. What does it look like to follow Jesus? How can a person be a disciple of Jesus? And so he uses an illustration to teach the secret of being a disciple and the secret of joy in following Jesus. We could break the passage down into two parts. Verses 1 through 6, he gives us the illustration of the vine and branches. In verses 7 through 17, he gives us what the fruit looks like of the vine and branches. But we're going to focus this morning on those first few verses, the first half. The secret of joy this morning, I want you to notice with me, first of all, there's a place that needs to be discovered. It's the place of a branch. The place of a branch. You know where you're going to find joy and understanding that you and I we are exactly what Jesus says we are. We're a branch. He's the vine. We're a branch. Some of you today might be Christians. You're a Christian not because you're in church. You're not a Christian because you join a church. You're a Christian. You're only saved when you put your faith, trust, dependence upon Jesus Christ. Jesus died one time, was buried one time, resurrected one time. He'll never die again. He's alive, alive forevermore. So that when a person recognizes they need to be saved, all they need to do is put their faith, trust, dependence upon Jesus one time and Jesus does whatever he does. He does it good. He does it well. And when he saves a soul, he saves it for an eternity. But there are those who are saved. You're Christians because you're saved, not because it's a party that you're affiliated with, but it's a person that you've put your dependence upon. So you are a child of God, but you're not expressing, you're not experiencing the joy that is in Christ Jesus. You've taken what he wants to be a, a vibrant relationship, you're turning it into a religion. I want to remind you that the place of joy is the place of a branch. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. You see that in verse five? I am the vine, ye are the branches. Read that with me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Try it again. I am the vine, ye are the branches. See, Jesus begins his seventh and final statement in the Gospel of John about who he is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we give a chronological flow of the life of Jesus in the day in which Jesus walked upon this earth. 
But in the book of John, you find it completely different. It's a theological treatise about who Jesus is. And he gives seven declarative statements about who he is. He says, I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the seventh one. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And when Jesus says that he's the true vine, he's the true vine. When Jesus says you're a branch, you're a branch. In each case, Jesus is not a light. He's not a door. He's not a way. He is the door, the life, the light. He's the way, the truth. And here he is the vine. He's unique. He is the vine, the only vine, the only true vine. And so what does it mean to be in the place of a branch? Well, it means it's a place of absolute dependence. See, to abide in Christ means to be in communion with Jesus so that our lives are pleasing to him. How does a person get saved? The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. The Bible tells us that it is faith in him, faith in Jesus, faith in the one who offers the gift of salvation. How does a person get saved? By faith, by putting their dependence upon Christ to save. So what do we do once we get saved? Recognize that you're a branch. And what do I do as a branch? Nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And so what we have to realize is we need to stay connected. How do we stay connected? The same way a person gets saved, by faith dependence upon him. Richard Blackaby said, out of our intimate relationship with God flows everything of consequence. Apart from his presence in our lives, we can do nothing of eternal significance. See, a lot of times people think, well, I, I, I do a lot of things without God. Not with eternal significance. You don't do anything that's of eternal value, life changing significance, not without the presence of God. And that's hard for many people to accept because we're always thinking we got to do something. We got to contribute something to this equation. Well, you do. It's called sin. You bring your sinful self to him, connect to him. There's where you find life. There's where you find joy. It's a place of dependence. The place of the branch is also a place of absolute security. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. <clears throat> Let me ask you, how long will a branch live? As long as the vine lives. And how long is Jesus going to live? I'm so thankful that my faith in Christ is my faith in the life of Christ a life that will never change, a life that will never pass away. And if my faith is in Christ, if my life is rooted in Him, if I'm a branch that is in the true vine, then that is the resurrection and the life that is found in Jesus Christ, meaning He'll never die, meaning that I'm going to live as long as God lives. 
I will live his life. I will have his life flowing through me because it's the place of the branch. There's security. But not only the place of the branch is where you find joy, but I want you to see the peacefulness of a branch. The peacefulness of a branch. You want to find joy? You want something that's going to remain in you, that's going to sustain you, that's going to strengthen you, that's going to satisfy you regardless of the outward circumstances? The peacefulness of a branch. Now I want to, this morning, I want us to have a conversation with the branch. Have you ever talked to your flowers or plants? You don't want to admit you're crazy, do you? But let's do it this morning. Let's, let's have a conversation. So we say to this little branch, Jesus is talking about, which if we're saved, that's what we are. We were to say to this branch in John 15, how are you doing today? And the little branch says, Brother Ingram, I'm doing great. But I notice that you human beings are not doing quite so well. <clears throat> I notice you're having nervous breakdowns. And I notice that you're going through all kinds of trauma. I notice that you're frantic and anxious and worried. Well, little branch, why are you so peaceful? Why do you have such joy? And the little branch can say, well, because unlike human beings, I've learned to boil all of my concerns down to one concern. I've learned to boil all of my commitments down to just one commitment. I don't worry about five things, four things, three things, or even two things. No, I'm only concerned about one thing, and that is abiding in the vine. And when I, as a branch, abide in the vine, then everything that I need is supplied within the vine. In the summertime, I don't have leaves and, and, and when I don't have uh, uh, buds and I want them, I don't have to worry about where they're going to come from. I just keep abiding in the vine. And lo, these buds and these leaves, they appear. And when the sun comes out and, and I'm hot and thirsty and wilting, I don't worry about how to get stronger. No, I just stay abiding in the vine. And lo, the, the vine sends his mighty power flowing through me. And I'm supplied with all the water that I need to quench my thirst. Well, little branch, how do you do this? Little branch says it's very simple. I just concentrate on one thing. One thing, and that is abiding in the vine, trusting in the vine, being committed to the vine. For I know as long as I'm in the vine, every need that I have will be supplied. That's what Jesus says in verse four, abide in me. Verse number five, I'm the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me. We have a tendency to think of this matter of abiding and relationship as something of emotion. We experience some emotion when we go to church, maybe. But what he's talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is something far more than emotion. He's talking about experiencing God. You know how the, the branch, that little branch can be productive and fruitful and, and beautiful as it displays the buds and the flowers on them because it stays connected to the vine. Amen. He's talking about experiencing the vine. 
The idea of remaining, abiding in Christ, it has to do with intimacy, with relationship. You, you've heard about discipleship and people conjure up discipleship. Yeah, uh, that's a book that you read. That's a class that you go through. No, that's a life that you experience. And it comes from abiding in him. Jesus is our source. The only one that can provide the spiritual sustenance and the vitality that we need to be useful, joy-filled. What do we need to do to use our vernacular? You need to hang out with Jesus. You can't avoid Jesus all week and then show up on Sunday morning and expect growth. True disciples, they're connected. Now you can get saved one time like at a wedding ceremony. You get married. One wedding ceremony makes you married. But a wedding ceremony does not make you happily married. You get saved. That one event of putting your faith, trust, and dependence upon Jesus is all you need to get eternal life. But you're not going to get fullness of joy from that one event. It takes staying with the one who saved you. I'm not suggesting you can lose your salvation. You can't lose what Jesus says you can't lose. You didn't do anything to get it. You can't do anything to lose it. Amen. Well, can't you be bad enough? Well, if you could be bad enough, you would have never gotten it in the first place because you were too bad the first time. He only saves those who are honest about the fact you're in trouble. You're in a mess. You've got sin. You can't do anything with but try to hide it and cover it. And what Jesus wants to do is cleanse it and remove it. And what he says is after you get saved, just like after a wedding ceremony, now stay with me. Stay with me. Abiding, what it does is it allows the life of Jesus, the true vine, to flow through us as branches. Oh, we can sing in the choir. We can give an offering. We can answer questions at a small group table. We can hand out bulletins. We can go Christmas caroling. But apart from Jesus, apart from his life and his flow of power and energy into ours, we're not pleasing him by what we do. Listen, you don't please God by what you do. You only please him by depending upon him. You say, do you have Bible for that? Sure, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? It's dependence upon Him. What is abiding? It is continual dependence upon Him. The illustration of the branch, it helps us understand what it looks like to abide. A branch is only alive if the sap flows from the trunk through the branch. Without the sap, the branch dies. People trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. The life of God begins to flow through them. But there are many, many Christians who have gotten saved. And, but as a result of being complacent, they, they've become independent of the vine. They know they're saved because once you put your faith in Jesus, then that never changes. Eternal life is eternal, everlasting. But it doesn't mean, it does not equate to having the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. So they bounce around from circumstance to circumstance to make them happy. Even people look for churches based upon whether it'll make them happy. 
I'll tell you the great danger in that is the very same church you find that makes you happy can be the same source that makes you unhappy. Listen, if you're lost without Jesus, you should feel welcome and know the love of Jesus, but you should never be comfortable in your sin rejecting God going to hell. You should never be comfortable because God's not comfortable with you that way. Ladies and gentlemen, this may seem like an oversimplification, but the truth is today that as believers in Jesus, we go through trials, we go through heartaches, we go through troubles, and there's all kinds of different circumstances, but circumstances cannot take away joy. If you're abiding in the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, it cannot, it never will take away joy because it doesn't come from circumstances, it comes from the true vine, Jesus Christ. He's the source of unlimited power. He is the well that will never grow dry. He's the fountain of living water. He's the light of the world. And Jesus Christ will supply every internal need that you have as well as external need that you have. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So today... We don't have to worry about where our food or clothing is going to come from. We don't have to worry about what we're going to do, what challenge we're going to face tomorrow, whether we we're going to have a job or lose a job or whatever life may cave in on us. As long as we're abiding in the vine, the vine will supply every need that we have. Number one, the place of a branch. Number two, the peacefulness of a branch. Number three, the productivity of a branch. The branch is to be productive. Now, verse number eight says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. How can you tell whether or not you're abiding in Jesus? How can you tell if you're abiding in Him daily? Well, you're going to have fruit, there's going to be fruit. You know that if your life is bearing fruit, it evidences that you're abiding in Jesus. You're depending upon Christ. Galatians 5.22 gives the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. It's joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Are these characteristic in your life daily? Not one of them. Because it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the Spirit. It's the life of the Spirit. It's Christ. You see, the problem with many believers is that they've come out of Egypt salvation, but they've gone back into Egypt in defeat. They've gone back the way of the wilderness. They've gone back to walking in the power of the flesh. And their life is not bearing fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers never attempt to win a soul for Christ, yet they say they're on their way to heaven. They just don't care to tell others how to get there. Why? Well, I'm just shy. It's just not my gift. No, it's because you're not abiding in the vine. If you're abiding in the true vine, he gives you what you need to be a disciple and to have joy. And he gives you what you need to overcome the, the shyness, to overcome the fruitlessness, to overcome the defeat. We're not bearing fruit for Christ because we're not abiding in the vine. A branch doesn't have to try to bear fruit. 
I don't ever have to go out and say, you can do it, Branch. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Put your mind to it. You can do it. No, it just stays connected. The true vine does the work. A branch doesn't have to work to bear fruit. A disciple doesn't have to work to produce fruit. All a branch has to do is abide and the vine supplies the power and the branch just bears the fruit. A Christian who has fruit, it's not what they've done. It's not what they've done. And I think too many times we are glorying in what we do, but we're not glorying in what Jesus does until we're abiding in Him. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the picture of the Lord Jesus. When you abide in Him, you're going to find it produces the life of Jesus. Let me ask you, how's the life? It's called revival. How is it in your heart? How is it in your home? Then I want you to see the purpose of a branch. He says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You want to know what a disciple looks like? It's one who bears fruit for what purpose? To bring glory to the Father. You see, a branch has one purpose. He says you're a branch, so you've got one purpose. That purpose is to glorify the Father. What does it mean to glorify? It means to give the right opinion of. When somebody sees your life, do they have the right opinion of God? You say, well, if they're with me at church, they do. But Jesus is not telling them how to live in church. He's telling them how to live. A branch has one purpose, whether you're a plumber, a farmer, a businessman, a housewife, a secretary, whatever you may be, you have one purpose, and that purpose is to glorify, bring the right opinion of the Father to those around you. You are saved to bring honor and glory to God. The Bible says that in heaven throughout the ages, it will simply be a time of people, God's redeemed, bringing glory to Him. We will be there in heaven as trophies of God's grace. He says, abide in me and you can be that here and now. A fruitless disciple, what is that? It's no disciple at all. You might be saved, but you're not a disciple if you're fruitless. Doesn't mean you're, you won't go through drought or barren periods of time, but over the course of time, you're going to get burdened and God's going to begin to awaken us that we've been a little bit too independent. We get revived by getting restored back to normal Christianity. What's normal Christianity? Abiding in the vine. You have one purpose in life, not two, not three, not four. What is it? Glorify the Father. How is that? By abiding in the vine. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Galatians 1 and verse 24, Paul says, And they glorified God in me. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are to bring about the right opinion of God. As a parent, you're to bring glory to God. As a husband and wife, you're to bring glory to God in your marriage. You are to bring glory to God in your single life, in your school life, whatever your walk in life may be. You have one purpose to glorify Him. And you have one responsibility 
responsibility to do that, and that is by abiding in Him. Jesus says, if a man abide not in me, notice in verse 6, if a man does not abide in me, if a Christian does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch, it is withered, and men gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Notice the word, and is withered. There are many of God's people today who have withered lives. They no longer have joy because they've not been walking in obedience to the Lord. If you disconnect from the vine too long, don't be surprised when you find that your loving, true vine, the Father, He begins to provide divine discipline. Getting burned that He talks about is, is not a description of hell. No, it's a description of spiritual discipline. Seeing your life withering, it ought to cause you to say, God, that's not what you have in store for me. That's not experiencing God now. And get revived. The good news is you can have your joy restored today. If you find your life withering, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And did you know Jesus said something else about the branch? Look at it in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, what does he do? He taketh away. Now, what that word is, is not the idea of taking it away altogether, but it is a Greek word that is also rendered, he lifts it up. It's like going out and finding a branch that's so heavy and it's laying down on the ground. Well, what, what the husbandman, what the, the caretaker, what God does is he comes along and he lifts it up and he, he props it up and he encourages that, that, that heavy branch that's, that's hanging down. He lifts, he takes it up, he takes it away. The, the branches in, in a vineyard can easily become heavy and easily drag on the ground. And God, the gardener, he takes them, he lifts them up and he motivates and he encourages through the, the power of God's word. That's what he says in verse three. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. See, God's goal for every Christian, every disciple is to increase in fruit bearing. Go back to verse two. Every branch, the middle of the verse, that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Amen. Do you know that every one of us can find ourselves in this passage? If you're saved, you're bearing fruit, he says, I'm really getting involved in your life so that you'll bear more fruit. You said, no, I'm pretty content where I am. Well, God's not. If God's not, then you better not be. Because you'll move from being content to complacent. And God says, now I'm really going to get involved in your life. See, God's going to purge. And God's going to prune. And God's going to begin to work. It looks like he's hurting the branch. He's not hurting the branch. He loves the branch. He loves with an everlasting love. Sometimes God will allow some kind of tragedy 
Sometimes God will allow some kind of challenge, some kind of trouble, some kind of difficulty. And you said, God, why is this happening to me? God, why are you allowing this heartache to come to me? God, why did you do this to me at this particular point in time? God, I don't understand when all the while God is so loving and he's stepping into your life with care. And he's handling your life with gentleness, even when you're acting reckless. And God says, if you are not about fruit bearing because you're not staying connected, I'm going to allow some things in your life that's going to help you see you're not as tough as what you think you are. You're not as sufficient as you think you are. You do not have everything under control like you think you do. And it'll be a reminder, oh, I do need the vine. I do need the vine. And God says, for those of us who may be bearing fruit, I want to help you so that you can, you can bear more fruit. More fruit. Why? Because it gives the right opinion of him. Listen, God has more in store for you right now. And one great secret to all of this is discovering joy. How do you get joy? Get to Jesus and stay with him. Let's stand together, please. Yeah.